The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, There has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So let's pray together. Father, Father, as I look upon the crowd, as I look upon your church, it is such a humbling uh, testament of your power that you have brought us upon uh, this congregation to continue your kingdom, your mission. Lord, I pray that as Randall uh, preaches the message, Lord, that uh, the Holy Spirit gives way and, uh, and opens our hearts. Let it not be darkened by our sins or burdens or anything that uh, weighs heavy on, heavy on us. But Father, may it be uplifting and encouraged by the gospel. Lord, I pray for each one here that they open their ears and they let their hearts be softened by your gospel. Lord, I pray for... Uh, Randall, pray for his spirit, pray for the Holy Spirit to come here and, and open us. Lord, we thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, if you're new this morning, my name is Randall. I'm the lead pastor of Grace City. It's great to have everyone here today. Um, we are starting a new series called Doubting Doubts. Um, And I'm excited to jump into that. But before that, I just want to say thank you. Um, Over the past three weeks, we've been collecting uh, just toiletry items for refugees in our city, in our community. Um, And so I got a message back from Pastor Silas, who is ministering to uh, an amazing group of people in our city. Um, And here's what he said. He says, we really thank God for 17 uh, Burmese that came to faith in Jesus Christ at our Easter outreach events. Yeah. He says there were 125 Burmese people that came to the event, uh, 25 
heard the gospel for the first time. And so he says, keep praying for us um, as we follow up with them and disciple these new believers in Christ. And so uh, just again, thank you for the way that you are tangibly loving our city. Uh, One of the things we say is our vision is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And what that means is we are not a church here for ourselves. We are a church here for others. And so I just love seeing how that is happening uh, by the grace of God. Um, So today, uh, we're looking at this text in Matthew. Uh, We're looking at Matthew 11, 1 through 11, and uh, we're going to be looking at the life of John the Baptist. And so some of you might have grown up in church, and so you know a little bit about John the Baptist. Some of you might not know anything about him. Um, And so today, uh, I want you to know this about him. He is a man who Jesus said was the greatest born among women. Greatest. Yet, we find him in the midst of doubts, in the midst of struggle. And so the message today is this. Doubts in dark times. Doubts in dark times. Here's the truth. We all hit low points in life. We all have dark moments. And and so what do we do when doubt begins to settle in? Well, in today's text, this is a dark hour in the life of John the Baptist. And at this point, he had been in prison for 10 months because he courageously rebuked King Herod for an adulterous, incestuous relationship back in Luke 3, 19 through 20. And so as a result, At the urging of his wife, Herodias, Herod throws John into prison. And while in prison, he has a lot of time to think and to reflect. Dr. Mark Moore, in his commentary on this text, tries to capture some of what John may be thinking. And here's what he says. He says he might have been thinking, has has my life been a waste Is Jesus really the Messiah or was it my imagination running wild? Such thoughts must have bombarded John's mind. We must remember that John has been in prison for the better part of a year. That's plenty of time for depression and doubt to set in. You see, some of us might have grown up in a setting where you say, you struggle with doubts, you struggle with fears, you struggle with anxieties. What, what's wrong? You need to have more faith. But what we see in the Bible is the reality that strong men and women of faith have doubts, have fears, have anxieties. Even John the Baptist. You see, we all hit low points in life. Those dark moments. I remember it was just a few months after we started Grace City Church. And so that first three months when we planted, I remember coming back and and it was was a hard day because there's a lot of set up and tear down. And so just for a minute, can we just thank the volunteers who set up and tear down every week? These guys are awesome, amazing people. And so I remember that day was just a struggle. 
I remember we were putting, pushing the, the nine-foot case and trying to get everything together and trying to get everything put away. And I remember going home, going in the backyard, and just sitting there by myself. And here's the thought that kept going through my head. Am I wasting people's time? Are we wasting time just coming, setting up each week? I mean, is, is this, God, really what you wanted me to do? That struggle. But then I remember my wife coming in the backyard and saying, what are you thinking about? What's going on in that mind there? I said, to be honest, I got a lot of doubts. And this question keeps going through my head, am I wasting people's time? And she says, Randall, that's a lie. It's not about you. It's about God. See, we hit those moments where we have struggle, doubts, but we need an outside voice to come in and tell us the truth. Many godly men and women throughout the Bible have struggled with doubts. Abraham, Moses, David, and now John the Baptist. See, we shouldn't be surprised when doubts start to creep into our lives. And so when the doubts come, what does it look like for us to doubt our doubts? Doubting doubts. That's what this series is about. And so today, we're gonna look at this text in Matthew 11. Just to give some background here, Matthew, um, in Matthew 8 and 9, Jesus performs a variety of miracles. So these disciples of John that are sent by John arrive at the perfect time to ask the question that they ask about Jesus' identity. And so for us today... We need to ask this, what challenges is John facing and how will Jesus's words pull him out of his doubts? So we see this played out in two personal challenges that John faces and a display of God's grace through the words of Jesus. And so let's break this down. We've got three points today that we're gonna break down from the text and I'm gonna give you all three up front. And so here's the first point. As we look at verses two and three, what we see is dire circumstances. Dire circumstances. Number two, it's unmet expectations. And number three, unshakable truth. Dire circumstances, unmet expectations, unshakable truth. And so the first point is dire circumstances. You can find it in verses two and three, and we're gonna look at that right now. It says this. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Now, at this point in verse two, John, it says that he's in prison. John is suffering. Death is imminent for him. This is a real Struggle. About John's imprisonment, William Barclay points out, for any man, imprisonment would have been a terrible fate. But for John the Baptist, it was worse than for most. He was a child of the desert. All his life, he had lived in wide open spaces 
with the clean wind on his face and the spacious vault of the sky for his roof. Now he was confined within the four narrow walls of an underground dungeon. This must have been agony. See, what had happened is John is taken out of the place that he's used to and put into a dark dungeon. See, at one time, John was very sure about who Jesus was. At one point in John 1.29, John the Baptist said this about Jesus. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At that point, this is a man filled with faith. But now in this text, he sends his disciples to ask the question, are you the one who's to come? Or shall we look for another? See, he's struggling with doubts. And he's in a dire circumstance. It's what 15th century Christian writer John of the Cross called a dark night of the soul. This was a dark night of the soul for John the Baptist. Chuck DeGroat, in his article, Three Truths About the Dark Night of the Soul, gives three ways to understand these times in life. Because it's not just John the Baptist who struggles with it, but you probably will as well. The first is this, dark nights provoke deep questions. When you're going through the struggle, when you're going through those dark moments in life, it should provoke deep questions. And so this is a deep question from John the Baptist. Are you really the Christ? I thought you were, but are you really? The second truth is this. Dark nights are both spiritual and psychological. It's not just a spiritual thing that he's going through here, but he's probably hungry and tired. He's not in the place that he's used to being. So he's struggling. It's a real thing. The third part is this. Dark nights provide opportunities for growth. As you struggle, this is a chance to grow in your faith. Here's what Chuck DeGroat says. He says, the purpose of the dark night is to strip us of the futile attempts to find God on our own terms and awaken us to a much simpler desire for intimacy with God. Right, like all that junk starts to get torn away when we go through a dark night of the soul and we have to ask some real questions. See, John at one point had gained crowds and popularity. All of that is stripped away as he's thrown into this dungeon. And now he's having to ask these deep questions. And so here's here's a side note. This is really important. Instead of wallowing in his doubts and impatience, John goes to the source. He sends word to Jesus. He doesn't just sit there and say, man, I'm really doubting right now. I'm really struggling. But he say, I'm going to the source. I'm going to go to Jesus and ask him. And his question reveals something deeper. 
Here's what it was all meant for. It's meant to uncover the second point, unmet expectation. Unmet expectation. Look at verses four and six. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. In verse six, he says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Here's the thing. John's message was from God. But the message that he was sent with to prepare the way for Jesus to come was different from the message that Jesus is proclaiming. Here's what John's John's message was. John's message was filled with wrath, destruction, repent, holiness. But it's prepare the way for Jesus. And John most likely expected that Jesus would carry that same tone. He would carry that same tone. And so here's the report that John is getting. Jesus is spending time with prostitutes and tax collectors. He's considered a friend of sinners. He's attending parties and feasts. He's not fasting and spending all his time in the desert. John's purpose was intentional from God. That message was from God. But it was to prepare the way that Jesus would come and his ministry, in many ways, was different from John's ministry. See, John must have been asking himself, well, where's God's judgment? Where's God's wrath? When is God going to destroy his enemies? This most likely was not what John was expecting Jesus to be. He was probably expecting him to be a lot like him. But Jesus came differently. And so what was John's, or Jesus' response to John? It's twofold. And, and, and so the first one is this. Jesus says, okay, John, look at what I'm doing. Look at the fruit. So verses four and five, he, he says this. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Here's the thing. John was preaching a message of repentance out in the desert. But he wasn't going around giving sight to the blind. The lame are walking. Lepers are being cleansed. The deaf hear. Dead are raised up. That was not a part of John's ministry. See, here's the thing. John is struggling because Jesus is doing things that he didn't do. And so John was in this moment where he's thinking through, okay, what did the Messiah come to do? And Isaiah 61, one through two, tells us 
The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness darkness for the prisoners. As Jesus talked about why he came, that was the scripture he pointed to. Isaiah 61. See, and at this point, John was in a temporary prison. But Jesus was releasing people from spiritual prison. A physical prison that John could not have released them from. And Jesus is saying, look at what I'm doing. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's happening. God is healing and restoring lives. John, I want you to see this. Second part is this. He confronts. This is a confronting thing when Jesus says this. In verse six, he says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Okay, John, this is what I came to do. This is my purpose. Will you receive the real Jesus? Or will you be offended by me, John? See, it's a different picture that John had in his mind of what Jesus was supposed to do. And now Jesus is confronting him with the reality of this is what I came to do. Can you accept me for who I am? Again, William Barclay says this about this text, he says, this was spoken to John. And it was spoken because John had only grasped half the truth. John preached the gospel of divine holiness with divine destruction. Jesus preached the gospel of divine holiness with divine love. So Jesus says to John, maybe I'm not doing the things you expected me to do, but the powers of evil are being defeated, not by irresistible power, but by unanswerable love. Sometimes a man can be offended at Jesus because Jesus cuts across his ideas of what religion should be. So as we look at Jesus, we say, can we receive Jesus for who he is. He's both. He's he's divine judge, yet also the one who pays the penalty for our sin. All in one. Divine justice, yet divine love. John had that first sight. That was to prepare the way. Now Jesus comes and shows them the love of God. And so lastly, it's the unshakable truth. Look at verses seven through 11. It says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face. You'll prepare your way before you. 
Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. See, in the midst of John's struggles and doubts, as he's imprisoned, what is it that ultimately defines him? Right, like what, what is it that, that ultimately defines him? Because Jesus, as he talks about him, he says some glowing things about John. He says, okay, you think this guy is a reed shaken by the wind? John was not a weak man. He was strong, strong inside and out. So Jesus says that that's the kind of man that you, you would see when you go out to see John the Baptist. He says, a man dressed in fine clothing. See, it wasn't, it wasn't a, John did not have any particular status of kingship that drew people out and the crowds out to go see him. Something more, something real. God was doing something in his life that drew people out to him. It wasn't manipulation that drew people out. But John made the sacrifices to follow God and trust God in his word. Verse nine, he says, a prophet? Here's the thing. John is in this long line of great prophets of God, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Moses, all people. And, and here's the thing. Jesus is saying, you know, you know the word of God? You know the word of God? He says, yeah, it actually writes about John in there. It actually, it has something about John in there. It says he's the one that's going to prepare the way. I want you to think about this for a minute. Okay, this is a guy who's struggling with his faith. He's struggling with doubts. Yet Jesus is lifting him up. See, what's the unshakable truth about John that Jesus point out, points out? He says, John had this special role in God's ultimate plan to save the world. He is the forerunner to Christ. John fulfilled his purpose in the world. You see, he might be in a prison cell right now, struggling with his faith, but he fulfilled God's promises. He did what God put him on this earth to do. Could you believe that in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your doubts, that God could be working through you? That you could be living in the purpose in which he placed you on this earth to live? Even though you have struggles. See, what does Jesus' glowing response offer John in his darkest moments? It's grace. It's grace. I mean, here's the, here's the truth. Like, when, when you struggle in your faith, when you struggle with your relationship with God, say, man, I haven't read my Bible in a while. I haven't prayed in a while. I haven't done these things. Maybe it's been 10 months like John spent in a prison cell. He said, that was the last time that I've been to church. Could you believe that even in those moments, that God isn't there condemning you, but is offering you grace and saying, I loved you the whole time? That's good news. That's the gospel. 
that, that God doesn't love you based on your performance, but on his performance for you. See, Jesus doesn't define John by his low point. He offers him the olive branch of grace in his doubts. When you struggle with doubts, whose voice do you usually listen to? Is it that inner voice that's condemning? Or is it the voice of Jesus that's saying, hey, this is why I placed them on this earth. This is the plan I have for their life. There's this unshakable truth in the gospel that you and I can't find within that inner voice that's in us, trying to pump ourselves up, but knowing that we fall short all the time. We need an outside voice, and Jesus is that outside voice for John. And so just quickly, some takeaways. How do we handle doubts in dark times? Well, Charles Spurgeon, great preacher, struggled with what many believe was depression. There were points where he couldn't preach up to two times a month just because he struggled so deeply with depression. And for some of us, we say, well, how can a pastor struggle with depression? It's true, it's real. And so here's what Spurgeon says about doubts. He says, I do not believe there ever existed a Christian yet who did not now and then doubt his interest in Jesus. I think when a man says, I never doubt, it is quite time for us to doubt him. Doubts, here's the first point. Doubts will come, so don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. For many times, like when we struggle as Christians, we say, well, I can't believe a doubt creeped into my mind. But yet when we see Jesus rose from the dead, it says that his closest disciples doubted. Some doubted. Right, but here's the thing. They didn't stay there. But they grew. Here's the second takeaway. This is important. Okay, doubts will come, so don't be surprised. But here's the second point. Doubts can grow because of distance. Doubts can grow because of distance. See, what happens many times is when we start to doubt, we lean out, backwards, away. I'm just struggling right now. Instead of leaning in. Right, here's the thing about the Bible. It says to think on these things like to engage our mind, to think on the things that God says, to think about them. It doesn't say disengage your mind, but engage your mind into what God says, the stories of God, and, and really the truth. And so when do doubts usually grow in our lives? Distant from Christian community? Distant from prayer time and talking with Jesus? distant from his word. Like I said, mo- most of the times when we struggle, we, like, we, we think, well, when was the last time I, I read the Bible? Just to, to read it. it. Might have been 10 months ago. I might have been collecting dust on a shelf somewhere. But here's the thing. The, the invitation is always there. 
Because the truth is, doubts can grow because of distance. Look at John. He's separated from community. He's separated from what he's used to. And so he's in this prison cell and he's struggling. If he can struggle, then you and I can struggle too. Distance can grow or doubts can grow because of distance. See, many times I've heard there was a time when I believed in God, but one day I just stopped believing. Here's the thing. If we are honest, it wasn't one day we just stopped believing. It was this continual drift to what we believe to be true. And so we just said, well, okay, I'm just gonna believe this instead of God. And this might be some of your story. Doubts can grow in the distance. The farther we drift from God's word, the farther we get from the truth that we need to hear. Here's the thing, we need an outside voice to pull us back in, okay? And so here's the last point. Doubts don't define us, Jesus does. Doubts don't define us, Jesus does. Some of us today, we, we think, well, I've gone too far. I've doubted God too much. There's no way that God could receive me back. Again, look at the way that Jesus describes John. Could you believe that God would talk about you like that? You might say, well, yeah, look at what John did. I mean, he was the forerunner to Jesus. Of course, Jesus talked about John like that, but he could have never talked about me like that. But I want to point out the key. This is the key to all of it. Look at the end of verse 11. Jesus says something interesting here. Here's what he says. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean? You just gave this glowing review about John, but yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he? Jesus stacked up all of the accomplishments that John had done. And then he says, Greater is the one who's the least in the kingdom of heaven than what John has done. How could he say that? Because it's the gospel. You and I are not saved by what we do. John the Baptist would not have been saved by what he did. Even with Jesus' glowing review about his life, it would have never been enough because here's the thing. John the Baptist was a sinner, just like you and me. He couldn't have worked his way out of his sin. But he needed a grace so amazing, so earth-shattering that would break through into his life. 
See, how can you and I be greater than John the Baptist? It's because John the Baptist, he didn't see the cross. He never got to see the cross. See, with his life, with all of his accomplishments, here's the thing that would cover his life, the cross. See, the cross is the scandalous equalizer between all humanity. In the cross, we see the full length of God's wrath towards sin. You know that thing that John preached about? He says, repent. Yeah. We see the full wrath of God taken out on Jesus because of our sin. John's sin. Yet the full scope of God's unrelenting love as he holds his arms wide in love for us, those who have placed him there. See, it's in the cross that we learn. It's not what we do for God that gives us acceptance before God, but what God has done for us that brings us acceptance. John struggled, he had doubts, he did amazing things, but that did not bring him the acceptance that he needed before God. It was only what Jesus was going to do for him. The life that Jesus lived for John that was gonna cover him. William Barclay again says, the man who has seen the cross has seen the heart of God in a way that no man who lived before the cross could ever see it. And so, do you believe that Jesus defines you? His work for you, not your work for him. And that even in your doubts, he can love you in a way that he shows the truth because he showed John the truth, right? He says, if you're offended by me, that's a problem. He showed him the truth. But he offers him love, kindness and grace. Do you believe that God offers that for you today? In the cross of Jesus, may we see that he faced his darkest time alone, his darkest struggle alone, so that we could hold on to the love of God in our darkest moments. And in those moments, it gives us the strength to doubt our doubts because when you have doubts, here's what it does. It's usually like this. And then when you lift this up, you see the cross. You wonder if God loves you. You wonder if God cares for you. We have what John didn't see. We have the cross. And you can look at that and know that it's true. Even in the midst of your struggle. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you just asking that you help us to see what you've done for us. That because of the cross, we have new life. It's not because of what we've done. Even John the Baptist and all that he had done could have never saved him. But it is you, Lord Jesus, and your work for him and for us that saves us. 
And so when we have questions, Lord, help us to lean in and to, to talk with you. And just know that you invite us in with your love, mercy, and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.